Today on the show, the uh, domestic terror group Antifa staged a violent riot over the weekend. People were pepper sprayed, bludgeoned with crowbars, uh, much more. A journalist was put in a hospital with a bleeding brain. Antifa, Antifa, of course, is nothing but a violent hate group and shouldn't have any right to exist. It should be banned, it should be classified as a domestic terror group. So we're going to talk about that today. Also, we're going to discuss the most concerning aspect of this, which is the reaction or lack thereof on the left. We'll discuss that today as well on The Matt Walsh Show. All right. Thanks, uh, everyone, for tuning in. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm, I'm uh, broadcasting now from an undisclosed location. I traveled here uh, over the weekend with my family, uh, many hours in the car, many hours with three kids under six and under in the car. And, you know, I remember when I was young and idealistic and stupid. Uh, well, I'm still stupid, but, they, but the other two, not so much. Um, back before I had kids and I, I, I remember I used to, you know, you'd, you'd be driving on the, the road and you'd, you'd be behind a, another car, a minivan or something. And you could see through their rear view, uh, their rear window that they have one of those little TVs there and, uh, the kids are watching little mermaid or whatever Disney thing. And I used to see that. And I used to think to myself, man, that's when I, when I'm a parent, you know, when I'm a parent, I'm not going to put the TV on in the car for the kids. That's, 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 I mean, like they don't get enough TV already. You know? Now you got to put TV on in the car. That's pathetic. No, when I'm a parent and I'm driving with my kids, I, we will, we'll talk and we'll sing songs of gladness uh, and we'll, we'll just have a wonderful bonding time. That's what I thought before I was a parent. But now that I am, I realize that um, being stuck in a car for 10 hours with a bunch of little kids is, is, is actual literal torture. Like, if you if you were to put a, a suspected terrorist in a minivan with three kids for ten hours, that would violate the Geneva Convention. It's just it's inhumane treatment um, because the thing with kids is they don't ever stop talking or, um, or asking questions or or uh, whining. I mean, they're they're just because they can't. I guess when they're in the car in closed space, they can't move their bodies much, so they just move their mouths even more to compensate. And uh, after a while, you just can't take it anymore. So we put the TV on, and that's how we made it through it. Um, so, all right. On a more serious note, um, a couple things, uh, important things to talk about today. I want to talk about the, um, speaking of terrorists, the domestic terrorist organization, Antifa, and the chaos and violence this weekend um, that, that happened on the part of, of Antifa. But before we get to that, a quick word from Policy Genius. You know, part of adulthood is having to do things that you don't really want to do, like, well, long car rides with kids, you know. But another part of adulthood is learning to delegate the things you don't want to do. Now, I'd love to delegate driving my kids, right? I'd love to maybe FedEx them ahead of time to wherever we want to go and we'll meet them there. Can't do that. Um, but I can, however, delegate life insurance shopping. Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for life insurance online. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Um, once you apply the Policy Genius team, they'll handle all the paperwork, all the red tape, all that stuff. You don't have to worry about that. No sales pressure, no hidden fees, just financial protection and peace of mind. So if you need life insurance, but you just don't want to deal with all the legwork, that's where Policy Genius comes in. Head to policygenius.com. It's the easy way to compare all the top insurers and find the best value for you. Policy genius. Delegate what you hate, especially if you hate getting life insurance. Okay, well, the fascist hate group, 
um, Antifa, which ironically stands for anti-fascist, which, uh, you know, having a fascist hate group that's anti-fascist, it's a bit like if the, if Ku, if Ku Klux Klan was Latin for like racial tolerance, um, that's, that's what it's, that's what it's similar to. Um, because of course they're anti-fascist, but, but that's the exact opposite of what they really are. Um, they're also a domestic terror group and they held what is being called a quote protest over the weekend in Portland. But this protest was nothing more than a violent riot, which is what all of their protests are like. In fact, uh, left-wingers in general have a suspicious habit of um, having protests that really turn into an excuse to beat the hell out of people and set things on fire. Think back to to when um, BLM was staging these quote-unquote protests all across the country, but really you had entire city blocks that were on fire and people were throwing bricks and looting. Um, That's the way left-wing protests go, especially with Antifa. So this was a violent riot that was organized and planned, planned and organized um, by a group that exists for no other reason than to plan and organize violent riots. But this is worse than what we've seen before. Uh, This somehow fell below Antifa's already subterraneous standards. Now, the Portland Antifa especially has been particularly bad for a long time, uh, especially bad mostly because the Portland police are non-existent, it seems, where left-wingers are concerned anyway. Antifa in Portland, they've had the run of the town for a while. Uh, They're allowed to shut down city blocks, assault people at will, um, and the police just stand by and watch. They don't do anything. So as an example, before we get to what happened this weekend, uh, as a, just a primer to kind of get you warmed up, here they are a few months ago, uh, shutting down a block, directing traffic, and then someone disobeyed their traffic signals, so they chased that guy down with a baseball bat. Watch this. Okay, but, but, but that was a few months ago, right, as I said. Uh, let's look at what happened this weekend. Conservative journalist Andy No, who apparently lives in Portland, um, showed up to cover the demonstration slash quote-unquote protest, and uh, he wound up being viciously assaulted by these thugs. Uh, the, I'll, I'll show you one of the videos, and... Uh, by the way, I should, just a disclaimer, all of the videos I'm going to show on the show today are all upsetting and violent and there's blood and, and stuff. Um, so, you know, if you have kids that you're watching this with and they don't want to, you don't want them to see it, then that's a fair warning. But it's important, though, that uh, those of us who are old enough to see it do see it so that we know what's going on out there. So this is the first. This only shows part of the beating. Watch, watch this.
Okay, he was uh, the main thing you see there, and and let, you got to be careful here because you saw at the very beginning of that cut um, how he was punched. He was assaulted. He was punched in the face by someone who ran up very courageously, ran up, sucker punched him, then ran away. Um, and then you see him being sprayed with all kinds of various substances. Um, what you're seeing, the media, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but the media has mostly ignored this. When they do show a, a clip, what, what they'll do is they'll show, if they're going to show any of this, which most of them don't, but if they're going to show it, they'll they'll cut out the part at the very beginning where he got hit, and they'll show only the part where he's being sprayed with what looks like silly string. Now, they also were throwing milkshakes at, milkshakes at him because this is the left-wing thing now of uh, throwing milkshakes at people. Milkshaking, they call it. Um, but these milk, which is already assault, to throw something at somebody is assault, period. Um, even if it's a milkshake. These milkshakes, though, the police reported were, some of them were laced with uh, cement mix. Okay, so these were not just regular old milkshakes. Anyway, here's a no um, after the beating. Um, I just got beat up by the crowd. No police at all. Um, in the middle of the street, and they stole my GoPro, and they punched me several times in my face, and my head, I'm bleeding. Um, Where the hell were all of you? Can, can you talk to me? Yeah, where the hell were you? Do you know your name? My name's Andy Ngo. You know where you're at? I had been assaulted twice earlier today and reported it to your colleagues. Hey, we... And nothing was done. Andy, I'd, I'd like and to help you. And I was in right the middle of the street in the front documenting this. I'd like to help you. Can, can you tell me? Can you tell they me where stole you are? my evidence. They told, stole my GoPro. And then he proceeds to talk to the police and, and uh, he's trying to, he's asking them, good question, where were you? But he talks to them, and that's what the rest of that video is. This was not some little scuffle. Noah was admitted to a hospital overnight, reportedly with a brain bleed. He was seriously hurt. He could have been could have been killed. Uh, if you know, if your brain is bleeding, that's uh, I mean, you that's that's a, a, a potentially fatal situation. It's not an exaggeration to say that Antifa, the Antifa punks, were trying to kill people. Now, one of the dumbest defenses of Antifa that I've seen this weekend, <clears throat> and all of the defenses are, to, to defend them at all is dumb. So there's no smart defense. One of the dumbest of all the dumb ones is, uh, I've, some people have said, well, uh, you know, they, they're not, uh, they haven't killed anybody. Okay. They're not like those neo-Nazis who killed somebody. Okay. It's not for lack of trying though. They, it does appear that they are trying to kill people, or at the very least, they're assaulting people without any regard for whether or not they happen to kill the person. Um, I'll show you what I mean. Here are the Antifa terrorists using what looks like a crowbar or a metal bar of some kind against an older man. And then someone else steps in heroically to protect the man. And then they start hitting him as well with the metal bar. Watch, watch, watch this one.
Okay, that's to smack somebody in the head with a metal bar, crowbar, baseball bat, whatever it is, that is attempted murder. You're trying to kill them. You could very easily kill them. Here's uh, Michelle Malkin has, was compiling pictures of the aftermath. Um, so here's a picture she had of the, uh, of the hero who stepped in. He's at, he's at the hospital. He, he, look at the gashes on his head. Look at these pictures here. Okay, that's someone who, you know, that's someone who was in a life, who was put in a life-threatening situation when you end up with gashes like that on your head. Um, and then here's the older man, another picture of the older man covered in blood. All right. Despite how it's being portrayed in some corners, this was not just a bunch of dorks throwing milkshakes. Um, this was something more serious than that. Although they are a bunch of dorks. Let's be clear about that. They're dangerous terrorists. Yes. And we can't, uh, minimize the threat that they pose. But individually, they're also a bunch of effeminate weaklings and dorks who would never dare go one-on-one against any of the... I mean, you saw the guy with the gashes in the head. They, they, you think any of those people would go one-on-one against him? You think any of those You think any of those weaklings, those Antifa weaklings, would dare take off their mask and walk up to that guy and punch him square in the face and then stay there just to get the response? You, you think they'd dare have a fair fight with anybody? No. Um, it's, it's really easy to put up, put on a mask. If you have no moral standards and you're a coward, then it's really easy to put on a mask, um, and run up among a group of people, smack someone in the head with a metal bar and then run away. That's anyone could do that. You know, a a six-year-old could do that. Anyone could do that. Um, so these are, these are weak, pathetic, despicable, uh, effeminate, cowards, all of them. And I, I just, I want to emphasize that because it, maybe it's not the most important thing in the world, but when I hear people say, oh, domestic terrorists and, and all of that is true, but it just, you, 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 we also don't want to make them sound, um, you know, you, unfortunately in our society these days, when you start describing people that way, you, you, you run the risk of making them sound cool or something in the, in the, in the ears and in the minds of very stupid people who, who, who think about, oh, they're wearing masks and they're out there fighting. Oh, that must be cool. Um, no, it's not because it's violent and they're hurting people and they could possibly kill someone. And also, again, these are just the biggest losers on earth, all of them. Um, this is what Antifa does. This is their whole thing. Their only tactic, violence and intimidation. We've seen it not just in Portland, but in many states. Uh, anytime Antifa organizes, anytime they get together, this is what happens. It's a domestic terrorist organization, and that's how it should be treated. Everybody associated with Antifa should be arrested. Anyone who is a known member or associate participant with Antifa should be arrested. This group should be outlawed. It should be banned. Because we have the right to peaceably assemble in this country uh, but when you're, we do not have the right to assemble for for violent riots. We don't have the right to assemble for the sole purpose of hurting and intimidating people. And that's what Antifa does. They are a terrorist organization. Um, and that's what needs to happen legally. Although at this point, I would, t- you know, before we even get to, well, the domestic terrorist organization, rounding up the leaders, throwing them in jail, um, and I think that's all going to be, I, I think that all that should happen, you know, police raids and everything, uh, run, I mean, show up in force 
find these people in their mom's basements, frog march them out and throw them in prison and see how they like it there in prison with the other inmates. Um, but, uh, and, and, and by the way, you, you know, you, in Tifa, they pretend that they're fighting against neo-Nazis, which, which they aren't. Okay. There weren't any, as far as I'm aware. Well, certainly in those videos, the people being at Andy, no, is not a neo-Nazi. The people that they're assaulting are not neo-Nazis. So they pretend they're fighting against neo-Nazis for the most part. They're not, they're just assaulting random people. Um, and anyone who happens to disagree with them. But hey, if you really want to, uh, if you really want to go up again, if you if you really want to fight neo Nazis, well, they have neo Nazis in prison, um, and those are real neo Nazis. And so, yeah, why don't you go? Let's throw these guys in prison and let them uh, let them tangle with the neo Nazis in there and see how it goes. Uh, where they can't put on a mask and they don't have a group, and you know they're probably not going to have a weapon. Um, I guess they could try to get a shiv in the prison yard somewhere. But um, yeah, let, let's see how these tough guys like it when they're when they we throw them in prison and they're with real neo Nazis. But anyway. That's the legal part of this. Um, the other part of it is, is personal. On a personal level, if, if you are being swarmed by a violent mob, if people are using mace and metal bars and crowbars uh, and throwing bricks at you or, or, or whatever else, you have every right, legal and moral, to defend yourself using whatever means you deem necessary. If you're being assaulted with a metal bar, that is assault with a deadly weapon. You could die. You, this is someone who is trying to kill you. And now you have the legal and moral right to respond um, with the force that equals uh, the force being used against you. Um, that's you know, You're not obliged to be a victim. You don't have to stand there and take it. One of these days, these gutless punks are going to try this garbage on a fan of the Second Amendment, uh, and things are going to go badly for the gutless punk in that case. That's going to happen, and one, one of the, it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. It just—they've been doing this for months now, years. Eventually, they're going to target the wrong person. Uh, and when that happens, you know, that's when the media is going to take note and we're, they're going to try to make us feel sorry for whatever Antifa punk gets that response. And they say, oh, you know, this, this is terrible. Um, no. When that happens, whose fault is it going to be? Not the guy who defends himself. I'll tell you that. Um, why don't you go down? Here's a thought, Antifa. Why don't you go down to Texas and try this? Try shutting down streets and assaulting random passers-by in Texas and see what happens. Now, I don't wish death or harm on anyone, um, and I don't like to see this chaos and violence. I wish it wasn't happening. But I do want people to protect themselves. And I do think, here's the thing. The Antifa punks, they should be afraid to do this kind of thing. Now, I don't think anyone should just live in fear in general, uh, and nobody should be afraid in America to express their point of view, to exercise their legitimate First Amendment rights. But you should be afraid to assault random people. You should be afraid to run around with a mask and a crowbar hitting people. Um, you should be afraid to do, just like you should be afraid to break into somebody's house. It's a sign of a healthy country, of a healthy civilization, when 
people are afraid to act that way because they know that there are going to be consequences. There are going to be legal consequences, and there may be even more serious and immediate consequences than that. Because the law is not the law is not going to sit there and let you do it, and the person you're attacking isn't going to just sit there and let you do it. That's a sign of a healthy civilization. It's a sign of an unhealthy civilization when people feel they can do this with impunity and they're not afraid and they feel perfectly safe and secure. These Antifa punks walking around in masks, just, you know, just with their with the crowbar slung over their shoulders, just strolling randomly proudly around. Um, that's a sign of an unhealthy situation in a society. See, that, that, that's the thing is that uh, Antifa, it, it, they seem to want a civil war. But they're going to be marching to war with milkshakes and metal bars. The other side has most of the guns. Um, they, they want to escalate this. They want violence. I don't. They do. But it, they haven't quite figured out you know, that the, the other side, that, that's where almost all the NRA members are, is fans of the Second Amendment. Um, People who not only own guns but know how to use them are very proficient in them. That's where most of the, you know, the, the other side is where most of those people are. And if Antifa continues escalating, I think eventually they're going to learn that lesson the hard way. Um, I hope it doesn't come to that. But if they continue, it can't go on like this indefinitely. But... What's in some ways even more disturbing, more concerning, more frightening than Antifa's behavior is the reaction from the left, or lack thereof. As of this morning, not a, as of this morning anyway, uh, not a single, and, th- and this is enough because it's been two, two, three days. As of this morning, not a single Democratic presidential candidate had uttered a word of com- condemnation against Antifa or the assaults this weekend. Uh, I mean, these people were bludgeoning people, using pepper spray, attacking journalists. And the Democrat candidates can't even bring themselves to condemn it. That's incredible. And a very, it's a real scary situation. Because it, why aren't they condemning it? Because they know that there are a lot of Antifa people and a lot of Antifa sympathizers in their base. Okay, they've done the research, they've done the polling. Uh, internally, they know. They know that it would be politically um, disastrous for them with their base to come out and say, hey, Antifa shouldn't be beating people with metal bars. What does that tell you about the left? That Democratic, these aren't just fringe, Democrat presidential candidates feel like they can't because they're cowards and opportunists. They feel like they can't come out and condemn this because they're going to upset their base. Uh, it's, It's not like that on the other side. I got to tell you, because you could do the whataboutism of uh, neo-Nazis and all that all you want. Yeah, conservatives come out and condemn neo-Nazis. It's not a Republican politicians. They have no hesitation. There's no hesitation. We're we're not. Yeah, sure. I'll condemn neo-Nazis all day. There's that guy that ran the girl over. He's in jail. Uh, You know, I came out. I said uh, they should put the guy in front of a firing squad. Uh, And I think they should. I've got yeah, a murderous neo-Nazi. Yeah, go out and execute him. Put him down like a dog. Absolutely. Uh, that's, I, I, I have no compunction about that at all. Um, so on the right, there really isn't much of a hesitation. Now, I, 
I take issue with the whole idea that neo-Nazis are right-wing in the first place. But even if I said, okay, they are, they're the extremist element of the right wing. Even if I agreed with that, well, whatever. We have no, uh, that does not make me hesitate. Oh, well, should I? I don't know. Would it be date? Would it be, would it be uh, uh, risky for me to condemn them? No, of course I condemn them. Um, that's not what you find on the left. They are very hesitant to, con- to condemn the violent extremists on their side of the fence. Likewise, the media has been very, very reserved in its coverage and condemnation, um, even though, again, a, a journalist was attacked. A journalist was put in the hospital with a bleeding brain, yet the media treated this as a non-event, basically. To give you an idea of, of just how trivialized uh, this event has been with the media, CNN's Brian Stelter, who's a, a guy on CNN who specializes in covering attacks on the media. That's what he talks about all the time. He, if Trump sends out a, a mean tweet about the media, this guy Stelter, Stelter or whatever, how you pronounce it, um, Brian, good old Brian, he, he'll spend a, a whole show talking about the mean tweet. Okay. Now, he's getting credit for being one of the guys in the media, one of the only ones in the media, to actually cover these attacks and condemn them. Now, I'm going to show you what he said, how he handled it. And remember, this is probably the most passionate condemnation offered by anyone in the left-wing media uh, is this. Watch this. One more important story uh, that you need to know about before we take a break. Uh, This is a protest that turned violent against a member of the media in Portland, Oregon this weekend. Uh, Conservative journalist Andy Ngo was out there covering rival protests on Saturday. Antifa on one side, right-wing figures on the other side. But as the demonstrations clashed, uh, protesters, uh, it appears to be Antifa protesters, uh, then attacked No. Uh, he's been out there in the past. He's been covering protests in Portland for quite some time. Uh, his critics say he's there to, to cause trouble. But that's unacceptable. Uh, the idea that he would be attacked, that he would be uh, bloodied in that way, uh, unacceptable, period. Uh, and it's important uh, that everyone make that clear, uh, even left-wing critics who don't like him and, and things like that. Okay, maybe you'll tell me that beggars can't be choosers, but that is weak. That is very weak. Uh, he mentions it right before a break. He says, oh, by the way, before we go to the break, he spends 20 seconds on it. He calls it unacceptable. Sending someone to the, yes, it is, it is unacceptable, but that's the, that's the harshest word you could come up with is unacceptable. You know, beating someone uh, in, in, the, in the skull with a, with a bat uh, until their brain is bleeding, that, that's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. No, unacceptable behavior is, I mean, that's what I said to my, my daughter this morning because she pulled her brother's hair. Uh, I said, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. The two kids picking on each other. This is a lot more than unacceptable. You know, that, that, uh, Charles Manson, that's, was pretty unacceptable. I mean, that was pretty tacky, unacceptable behavior. I got to tell you, murdering people, I mean, pretty, nah, you know, not a fan. Um, that's just, that's the week, but that's, that's the best the media could do, um, is, is that. And just so you're not, you don't make the mistake of being impressed and say, well, at least he said something. The only reason Brian said anything is because he knew he knew he had to say something. I mean, this is what he does. He talks about attacks on the media and you've got a journalist being sent to the hospital. Um, everyone's talking about it on social media. He knew he couldn't ignore it. That was Ignoring it was not an option. He couldn't do that. And so he did bare, I mean, you can't even call it bare minimum was so bare. He spent 20 seconds just so he could say that he talked about it. And just so that um, a week from now, two weeks from now, uh, a month from now, when someone calls him to to account and says, hey, you know, 
Uh, just so that next time Trump says sends a mean tweet or a mean gif about the media and Brian Stelter spends uh, a whole show, spends five shows talking about it, and, and someone says, hey, you know, you're talking about this. You didn't say anything about uh, when, the, when the conservative journalist was attacked. That, that he could come back and say, oh, yeah? Well, look at this. That's the only reason he did that little, small, tiny 20-second segment was, was just to give him that moment. A month from now, when someone on Twitter tries to call him to the task and he can retweet his little segment and say, you know, he can, he can really own them, right? Own the conservatives uh, with, that, with that devastating comeback. Um, that's the only reason he did that. Remember, CNN has openly defended Antifa in the past. Uh, this, is, this was last year, Don Lemon. Uh, this is what he had to say about Antifa. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's, you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. Um, no one condones the violence, but there were different reasons for Antifa and for these neo-Nazis uh, to be there. One, racist, fascists. The other group, fighting racist fascists. There is a fascist. There is a distinction there. Okay, Trump has um, obviously gotten a lot of grief for his uh, infamous. Uh, there were fine people on both sides. Comment. This is like that. This is, uh, well, no organization is perfect, uh, but at least they're fighting fascists. So that's how CNN feels about Atifa. They're fully in support. I want you to imagine something for a minute, and then we're going to move on here in a, in a moment. But imagine the response if a swarm of Trump supporters in MAGA hats assaulted a CNN reporter and put him in the hospital with a brain injury. Um, Imagine how the media would be reacting today. Imagine the fiery statements from all the Democratic candidates. Um, imagine, just, just imagine, imagine it. Think about how they, how they reacted when some Catholic school kids smiled at a Native American guy. That was a week-long news cycle. It, it, all they did was smile at a guy. They didn't, even, they didn't lay hands on him. Um, think about how they reacted with Jesse Smollett. Okay, the media has a headline news, the Democrat, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, they jumped on it immediately when J Jussie Smollett pretended that he was assaulted by two MAGA hat guys. So that's how they go with that stuff. But with this, crickets. And that's not even the worst of it. Okay, I mean, I, I said I was going to move on, but I can't. It's like, it just keeps getting worse. All you have to do is go on social media, go on Twitter. You'll find legions of leftists, many of them prominent. With, with large followings, verified Twitter users and all that, actually defending Antifa, outright defending them, encouraging more violence. Here's a verified Twitter user, Sarah Gailey, 30,000 followers. Uh, here she is uh, in a tweet that I think has since been deleted, calling for her political opponents to be bludgeoned with bricks. Look at this tweet here. Um, and she's not suspended from Twitter for that, by the way. And there's a whole more, lot more of that on Twitter. The attitude of the left is clear. If you disagree with us, you don't have the right to be safe or secure. If you disagree with us, uh, you, you, all bets are off. Um, that's how the left is approaching this. All right. What else? Well, there was, uh, we'll get to emails in a second, but first, there was, well, I guess I have to mention this. There was a, there was, it, it's hard to keep track because all the left does anymore is just demonstrate. So there was a, there was another left-wing demonstration this weekend. Um, this one in New York, and this one wasn't violent. Okay. So I'll give them that. 
Uh, it was an anti-pride event. Okay, an anti-pride event. But I said it's a leftist anti-pride. So this was not an anti-gay pride event by advocates of traditional marriage. No, these were gay activists protesting gay pride. And um, the reason why they protested, because I could think of re- I, I could think of plenty of good reasons for even gay activists to be opposed to you know these gay pride events, but it's not for any of those reasonable reasons. Um, here's here's why. Here's a video from the Daily Beast explaining what this anti-Pride event was all about. I think the importance is a lot of people forget that Pride is supposed to be a celebration, but it didn't start on a happy note. It started out with lots of protests and rally and hurt and blood and sweat and tears. So remembering where it started and, and appreciating that is so don't need police to be safe. We need community to be safe. We need communities to feel safe. In fact, for some of us, police mean the opposite of safety. It means violence. And that's what the first Stonewall riot was about. Okay, did you get that? They're protesting the fact that police and corporations are supporting gay pride. That's, that's what they're, they're protesting. So they were, appro- they were oppressed when government and corporations were not supportive of their cause. They were oppressed by that. And now that government and corporations are supportive, um, they're still oppressed. Uh, they're oppressed by everyone's, they're oppressed either way. So they were oppressed when they weren't accepted. They're oppressed now that they are accepted. And it's not even like they're oppressed even though they're being accepted now. It's now they're being oppressed by the acceptance of, of, uh, of people. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how determined the left is to be victims no matter what. And they, and they will, f- anything victimizes them. Uh, not to keep comp- comparing, you know, bringing in comparisons with my children because my children are so much better than left-wing activists, but, um, and my children will never be left-wing activists, so help me God. But anyway, it, this, it, it reminds me of like my, my, my two and a half year old, um, where in the, when we were driving in the car um, for that 10-hour journey, yeah, he would start crying for a toy. And then so I would reach back and I'd give him a toy. And, but then, then he's crying because it's the wrong toy and he throws the toy and he starts crying again. It's like you're trying to appease him, but he's two and a half no matter what you do. If one, you know, with two and a half-year-olds, when they get into a funk, when they get into a mood, um, no matter what you do, is gonna, it will be a cause to make them cry. doesn't matter what it is. With the exception maybe of giving them ice cream. That's maybe the one thing that, they, that no two-and-a-half-year-old would cry about. Other than that, they'll cry about anything. And, but that's okay for a two-and-a-half-year-old. It's unfortunate when you see left-wing activists who are adults um, acting the same way. No, no matter what you do, it is a reason for them to cry. And so now they're crying that they're being accepted. Oh, poor us. We're being accepted and loved by everyone. Everyone loves us and wants to express their support. Oh, my gosh. Um, all right. Let's move on to emails uh, quickly. MattWalshow at gmail.com. MattWalshow at gmail.com. This is from Diane. Says, hi, Matt. I listen to you every day. You mentioned a cologne you were wearing from a sponsor wherein a man at the store said, it smells like America. It's a true story, by the way. Totally true. 
um, I would never make up a story for the sake of hawking a product. You know, I, that is beneath me. Um, I told my friend, and he wants to smell like America too, uh, what was that cologne? Plus, we want to support you. This was maybe two weeks ago. That story made me laugh out loud. Thanks for your time. That was um, a cologne made by the fine folks over at Duke Cannon. So go check out Duke Cannon. They've got a lot of great products. I have, I have uh, many of the products myself. So Duke Cannon is what it is. All right, this is from David. says, greetings, Lord Walsh, ruler of all things, past president, things yet to come. Your semi-omniscient rule will be challenged by none in your sudden and inevitable rise to power. My, now, see, this is how you address me. Okay, this is, this is polite. My humble name is David, revealer of heresies. I do not wish to call you semi-omniscient. However, it has come to my attention. Oh, yeah, he said semi-omniscient before. I didn't even notice that. Um, I guess kind of proving the point, isn't it? However, it has come to my attention that you have not properly threatened Russia for their past opposition to your present and future bearded dictatorship. This horrifying and grotesque monstrosity of a law in the 18th century required a beard tax to be enforced on citizens. What is truly horrifying, however, is the punishment of the offenders who did not pay the beard tax. The police shaved the offender's beard. I apologize for bringing such hideous information into your glorious bearded presence. However, I believe that any information regarding heresies as awful as this would give you all the more reason to destroy Russia in a righteous fury in your rise to global domination. The only request I have for this piece of information is that you keep me around as long as you see fit to reveal more heresies such as this. And then when the time comes to an end, I would request a swift and painless death. Long live the beard. Well, uh, I was not aware of that. But how dare you assume that I wasn't aware of something, first of all. Second, how dare you traumatize me with this historical information. If we've learned anything over the past few years, it's that uh, history can be very traumatizing to people in the present. And so the best thing we can do is ignore it, pretend it didn't happen, um, and that's what you should have done here. That was your fatal mistake. Your literally fatal mistake, David. Um, so I cannot make the promise that you asked me to make. Uh, as far as destroying Russia for, for, their, um, for their historical sins of the beard tax, uh, I'll, I'll have to look into it. But, but yeah, absolutely, we'll destroy Russia. But, but, but then again, you know, as part of my dictatorship, we're going to, I, I will be destroying you know, all of the countries in the world, um, except for this one. And then ultimately, everybody in this country except for me. Uh, so, you know, uh, Russia is just, it's kind of going to happen anyway. But I guess they'll move to the front of the line. All right, this is uh, finally from Dustin. Says, hey, Matt, I think I know the underlying reason for the selfishness in our current dating slash relationship culture as exemplified in the Cosmo article you read on Friday. Nihilism. The philosophical underpinning of so many people's lives, usually unconsciously held, like an iceberg whose mass mostly lies hidden underneath, is as follows. One, there is no God, no afterlife, no ultimate meaning or purpose in life. As Louis C.K. put it, underneath everything in your life, here's that thing, that empty, that forever empty, the knowledge that it's all for nothing and you're alone. Louis C.K. said that? That's, um, that's pretty grim, but, uh, but true. From a, that's actually a, a beautiful way of putting the, nihil, the nihilistic um, point of view. Number two, if this life is all I have, I had better get all the happiness I can now. Number three, sexual pleasure slash expression fulfillment is the highest form of happiness. Number four, therefore, I can do whatever makes me happy sexually, and you're a monster if you say otherwise. As you can see, this assumption also underpins the whole modern religion of sexualityism as well. What are your thoughts? Keep up the good work. 
Well, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna add my thoughts much to it because I think that you, I agree totally, and I think that you um, put it, put it very well. That is, that's what it comes down. To. That's what we're talking about. Uh, if I can even remember, all the way back on Friday, yeah, we read an article from Cosmo, uh, which of course I have a subscription to Cosmo, so I read, you know, I, I read their articles every month. But uh, the article was someone, a woman bragging about all the men that she's cheated on and saying she doesn't feel sorry about it and you know she'll do it again if she feels like she wants to. And that is an extreme manifestation of this very common, what you're talking about here, the nihilism, um, nihilism, which I guess, which is at the root of everything, which is to say there are, at the root is nothing. You know, it's like roots of a tree that go all the way down to just a, a hole, a cavity, where there's nothing really there. Um, so the roots themselves are not really rooted in anything. But because of that, as you point out, you have no fundamental purpose in life, and so you have to make up your own purpose. And so your purpose is uh, your own sexual fulfillment, just feeling good. And then if that's the purpose of your purpose in life, then sure, you could cheat, you could do whatever you want in a relationship because it's really all about you. It's about making you feel good. And I think w one thing that, that, so there's, that's obviously a selfish and bad and sinful and wrong way of approaching life. It's also just so, it just lacks creativity. Yeah, that's the other thing about the nihilists and hedonists. They have no creativity. So you, you, you think there's no fundamental purpose of life, which is horrible. Um, so you're going to make up your own purpose. And that's the best you can come up with is your, your whole purpose is just to have sex and feel good. I mean, it's like, have some creativity for goodness sakes. If you're going to be a nihilist and make up your own purpose in life, which I don't recommend, at least be unique. Like, think of something else. Um, that's, that's my thing. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, just be creative. Maybe, may, maybe your purpose in life is, uh, is uh, I don't know, I can't even think of an example right now because I don't have the creativity anyway either. But, but at the same time, I'm not a nihilist, so I don't have to make up my own purpose. All right, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. Hey, everybody, it's Andrew Claven back from vacation with The Andrew Claven Show. And I have to congratulate the left. They have invented a terrific system to rationalize their own wickedness. By defining the opposition of evil, they license their own evil. They call us hateful while they seethe with hate. They call us violent while they assault us and scream at us and spit on us. They call us racist while they see everything in terms of race. They call us fascist while they try to undermine every freedom our founding defends. The clearer we are about what we're fighting for, the easier it'll be to beat them. We'll talk about that on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven.